0: You're listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast, produced by Talent Miles. The company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams, and faster change in companies.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, We are here, I'm Patrick Furu, and we have uh, Mr. Olli-Pekka Heinonen, the Director General of the Finnish National Agency for Education present and today we're going to talk about leadership and uh, related to that learning what does learning have to do with leadership and leadership in the future and just to set up the scene um, olli Pekka Heinonen is um, many things but uh, in, in addition to being the Director General currently at the Finnish National Agency for Education He's formerly been the Minister of Education and, uh, among among other things, also the former director at the YLE, which is the national broadcasting company, um, and many other things. But one could easily call him uh, the master authority of education, uh, not only in, in Finland, but also nationally, because as we know, Finland is... Um, one of the leading countries in terms of the school system uh, in the world. And now we are talking to the, uh, to the prime expert of, you know, how does education look like? And we're not going to talk so much about the educational system, but rather what Beka, um is, uh, what kind of views he has on on, on leadership and maybe learning has something to do with that. So very welcome, Olli-Pekka. Thank you very much.
0: It's a real pleasure of having this chance of being in this discussion.
1: Yes. So let me just uh, start by asking um, <laughs> a broad question. that uh, How do you see um, how leadership is today maybe compared to uh, to, to the pre- previous, the past, the history, and uh, do you see any what, sort of what, what is the current view uh, you have on leadership? Mm. Well, I think um, people my age,
0: we still kind of we grew to a reality where we had a kind of a picture in our head that what a leader should look like, how usually he should behave, how he should talk, and how he should lead. So there was a kind of uh, stereotypic model of, of the right answer of leadership, and um, I think still today that picture um, it kind of has value, meaning that that there is a lot of kind of uh, kind of uh, processes that still kind of utilize that picture and try to follow it. But I think today leadership is much, much more an um, diversified kind of a concept. And what has become very central is kind of understanding the context where the leadership and the leader, um, him or herself, is acting. And I think that has become actually one of the central skills and competencies for leaders to be able to read the context and act according to it. Um, maybe another thing that I would like to take up because leadership is and, and 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 kind of management um, are issues that are so widely discussed and already for a long time. And there's one thing that kind of bothers me in those discussions, and that's the fact that it's pretty often kind of looked from the perspective of the leader. And of course, that is an important perspective, but it's only one, one perspective. And I think it, is, it, it, it kind of shines light on important issues but it also leaves a lot of important things in shadows and and for that reason i think it's also important today to understand the kind of system where the leadership becomes true and also the different views of that system and the kind of emergent quality of of those systems. So I think that uh, in many contexts today leadership kind of uh, is something entirely uh, the opposite than what is the traditional picture. I referred to first, and that means that there's a huge tension also in the different kind of ways of, of looking at these issues.
1: That's uh, you. You said many things. Thank you very much. Uh, one thing, one aspect of that is the, the decision making, and uh, what you refer to traditionally, uh, it it was more about the leader, the, the one who had the title. Had the mandate to make decisions, uh, so so that that is one thing, and uh, and the second thing was maybe the the different views you said that it's uh, that the traditional view would be focused very much on the not only in decision making but you, whose point of view is uh, the dominant one, this decisive one is is the leader. Whereas now you are referring to the fact that maybe you need to take into consideration as a leader uh, different points of view, different perspectives and and different realities and contexts. Um, We we will certainly come back to that, uh, how that will be relevant and and how how to facilitate that type of leadership, uh, where you are able to take into account different perspectives. how how does that relate to your history of uh, working in the public sector in uh ministries government and and uh, and also um uh, partly the the more commercial the media uh, industry now uh, when you look at your career how how does that what are the the key um incidents or episodes where you you have seen such development, where we ended up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that uh, I became a minister in '94 for the first time. And, and at th- those times, uh, the, the belief that the decision makers had the right answers, and they were supposed to have the right answers, Was very strong. And there was also the belief that once the right answers are done, that means automatically that the kind of um, changed, the the change that you want to achieve happens. That kind of decisions means changes. Um, And I would say that uh, kind of during the last already 20 years, uh, we have seen so many incidents that both of those kind of assumptions have failed. That the good intentions of the decision makers, uh, when implemented, might turn around exactly the opposite Um, and 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 it's the thing that we cannot kind of uh predict and make assumptions that for example how citizens will behave if kind of new regulations are put in power we don't know it and the big kind of change has been the the idea that leaders and decision makers have to admit that we don't know and we don't have the right answers, and that's a painful sentence to say aloud um, and 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 kind of um, at the same time uh there there is also a lot of incidents uh, where we see that once the decisions are made uh, that nothing really happens that that there are kind of uh, that there were kind of governmental decisions when the same decisions were done three times Because nothing was happening, and the idea was that if we make again the same decisions, then they must come into power. But they don't. Because the kind of having the focus on the implementation becomes so, so important that actually I like to think today that implementation is actually the strategy. That the way you do things, you implement things, tells so much about your own kind of worldview, the way that you kind of see that how the reality is functioning, that it kind of bears the meanings of strategy in it. And, and, And for that reason, you end up with a situation of seeing the leadership um uh, skills and capabilities from an entirely different perspective. So I can
1: hear uh, I- implicitly your own experiences when, uh, be- before you were focused. And-, and this is maybe the traditional view, focusing on the decision once you have the right answer and, and make that decision as a leader, then you assume that things will just automatically happen. And and what I'm hearing is uh, y- you realized long ago already that uh, this wasn't the case that uh, it, it's it's more about making sure that uh, the wheels uh, start rolling and uh, the implementation starts happening. Um, any uh, personal uh, story <laughs> that you want to share, or you know, how how did you come to that uh, realization? Uh, well, I think that
0: uh, that that there, there were there have been kind of individual incidents that has that that have been kind of very useful in 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 understanding that the old way is not functioning. Uh, for example, there's been many decisions done about how to kind of speed up, for example, the process of young people to get to the next uh, kind of educational level. How to make sure that there's no kind of um, unused um, spare years in their career, but they could have a kind of a kind of a uh, flexible um, learning path continuing from year to year, and and always when those decisions were done, the outcomes were not the things that were expected. That that the young people they made entirely from their perspective rational and logical decisions. But the decisions were different ones that we as national decision makers were anticipating. And there's the same things, for example, with, with like in the in the sectors of uh, health and social affairs, there's been kind of decisions done in, in certain big cities, for example, that there's been uh, a problem with uh with kind of people who are using both drugs and alcohol and that was a kind of a big problem and and what was done was that there were planned a special kind of a recovery program for explicitly those people who were kind of mixed users and the outcome was that actually, it was such an attractive program that the people who earlier were only using trucks, but not alcohol, or using alcohol, but not trucks, started to use both. And, and again, it's entirely logical and rational from their point of view but that was definitely not the thing that the decision makers were thinking about and 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 I think we're seeing these kind of things
1: reading newspapers every day so th- that that was a f- very fascinating case so how how does the uh, municipality encourage people to become uh, addicts basically <laughs> exactly Creating a, a very attractive program for the uh, rehab program, so uh, that, that's incredibly fascinating. Um, and and what you're pointing towards is uh, what has been referred to as wicked problems, complex uh, problems, uh, where you are not able to see the consequences of uh, of certain decisions and what the 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 research research is telling us is that those wicked problems are increasing not decreasing um and 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 world is becoming more complex um and and all that story with the vuca world um and 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 the likes um so so what am i correct in in interpreting that you said you are saying that the traditional model of leadership does not work. Particularly because we do see more and more of these type of complex, wicked problems that uh, that do not have simple solutions, and once a decision is made, you you can't foresee the the, its consequences and what it will lead to. Um, Was that the correct interpretation? Yes, yes, it was. That
0: um, I I very much like the the Dave Snowden's kinefin model, with the kind of obvious and the kind of knowable, complex and chaotic environments, and uh, of course again, it's the issue that that you have to be able to sense that what is the context where you are working with, what what is the character of the problems you are dealing with. But but I I do agree that. And seeing that in practice also that more and more of the situations have the kind of quality of complexity. And in that area, you quite often then end up with with what what are called wicked problems. and uh, And again, we kind of come back to the to the kind of old stereotypic way of looking at leadership which emphasized very strongly the control and the kind of managing ability, having the power of of kind of being in charge. And that kind of leads so strongly to the idea of once you have a problem, you start thinking about the answer. You cannot kind of think about the problem as humans without very quickly moving that was the answer and and then we come to the kind of most famous sports in decision making which is jumping to conclusions um and the danger of doing that that we kind of assume Cause-effect relationships with a kind of a network of interconnected uh, parts, where the important thing is not the parts but what is in the interaction, what's happening between the parts, which is more than the sum of the parts, and uh, and that's the that that's the kind of uh, challenge. That, that we are we, we are faced with that that again we come to the question that not knowing the right answers but then other qualifications become important that how can you deal with that kind of a networked uh, system which actually is a complex system um, and and and, and how to make change that is kind of wanted how to make things that you would like
1: to see happen in that kind of an environment yes uh, many interesting things but, but if if i want to, uh, to pinpoint it to very concrete uh, you, you said about the, uh, the the managerial mechanisms and and isn't it so that managers are basically hired to to solve problems and make decisions? Isn't that their job? Yeah,
0: that's very <laughs> true. It, it, it is their job, but uh, I feel that there should be less and less vacancies with that kind of a job description. <clears throat> that, that it's... Uh, it, it is a, a, an, a... How would I say... You, you're putting pressure on those people who are hired with that description that I think is very difficult to fulfil in these days if you're looking for the uh for, for the kind of effectiveness of an organization
1: mm. so what you're saying is basically that we we should stop hiring managers if the title is or the job description is to to make decisions and and, and solve problems um and and that may be a little bit tongue-in-cheek but uh, but what you're referring to is is that if you are a manager and and still have the image because i think uh, most of us are uh, familiar with the, the the picture of the manager or the leader who is has the right answer and uh, or s- supposed to have the right answer has the pressure of making decisions so if you have that job then probably you are pushed towards <laughs> making Fast decisions and solving problems quickly. and, and that might when, when we, you refer to the wicked problems, the complex problems where there are no simple answers. Um, and even if, uh, even if you find an one answer, it might you, you don't know where it will lead to and, and thus the, uh, the, the sort of problems you are trying to solve might not be the, the correct ones. Mm. Um, uh, am I making sense here? What
0: is uh, I, I think you're making a lot of sense. And, and, and of course, when we're talking about wicked problems, the character of those problems is that, first of all, that there's no beginning and end in them. When you make decisions, it, it doesn't mean that the wicked problem goes away. It remains there. And the reason it remains there is that it's full of paradoxes. And paradoxes refuse to be solved. So it's the question that in each kind of moment and context, how can you kind of uh, utilize the tension of the paradox in a positive way? And you can be sure that there will be changes in that kind of a equilibrium in the future. But in certain moments, the best you can do is to to kind of try to find solutions where it's kind of uh, the the equilibrium is better than it used to be. And again, then we come to the issue that wicked problems are usually problems that are connected with people. There's a living component. There's a changing component involved. And that means that you cannot solve those problems um, on behalf of somebody else. But you have to involve those people because that's the only way that you can have some kind of an equilibrium going to the better direction.
1: I think you said a very important point here, and and maybe I'll uh, I'll, I'll emphasize that that you what you said is you cannot solve a problem for somebody else's on somebody else's behalf. Uh, you have instead you you must involve those people who whose problem it is or whom it concerns uh, that, and, and you said that's the only way um, can you be a little bit more specific or con- concrete in, so in in your job um, you're mm-hmm. saying basically you can't solve problems for other people but you can you, you can involve or you have to involve them uh, how does that look like in practice uh, maybe an example or or, or some Elaboration. Mm. Uh, in practice, it means
0: that uh, you have to be able to bring about all the different kind of shareholders of the issues we are dealing with together. To have that discussion that is there a shared view that what we are dealing with? And of course, that brings us to the question of the kind of uh, leadership qualifications um, acting on, on a complex environment, and there, of course, the central issue, is the ability to uh, bring those people together to be able to create a a process of shared kind of learning on the problem on the on the challenge and then uh, creating trust between the different Actors uh, around the table who are the the owners of of the of the challenge, and 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 the trust issue is very very important because it's the qualification connected to the interdependencies between different actors, and if the trust is not there, uh, you cannot reach a better equilibrium but but it it's it's definitely needed and and to me kind of trust is about about three components it's about um credibility the the thing that uh, that you have the ability to do what you are supposed to do your reliability That you are trusted that you do the things you promise you do. And then, intimacy, the closeness that the different actors know each other and their circumstances and their perspectives well enough to involve in that kind of a a, a, a problem solving uh, kind of a process. So, so the the role of the leader then it's pretty much of being in charge of facilitating and kind of being a i would say also a kind of a trusted referee, because it's important in that kind of situations that the leader does not have in the beginning of the process. An agenda of his or her own because if that's the case the trust is not there then everybody knows that he or she is trying to drive his or her agenda and not kind of care about our kind of perspectives and and for that reason it's it's kind of really important that you can create a kind of a trustworthy uh process in that sense and and the leaders then how would I say, when we, to, when we come to decision-making, I would say that the leader's role is to ability to identify pre-cooked decisions. So kind of see that when with those people involved, there seems to be enough common ground and understanding that a certain type of step forward could be accepted by everybody, then it might be the role of the leader to kind of suggest at the right moment that could we go this way and 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 it's a that's what I mean by precooked that that it's 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 kind of half ready already because of the process. When when the leader kind of picks it up, what he or she um,
1: senses what is happening. So in fact, it's not the leader's decision in a sense, but it's a common decision that yeah. the leader only uh, makes explicit. Exactly. Uh, that was incredibly uh, interesting and insightful. So the the leader's job today and, and maybe also towards the future in solving these kinds of uh, complex problems is a facility that you call re- almost a referee. Um, mm-hmm. Not having an agenda, but trying to, I think what, what you mentioned, is to choose who are the key stakeholders. So that's one important. That's, that's the, what you mentioned first. Identify who must be at the same table, or to, in today's world, virtually <laughs> at the same meeting, who, who, who are the key stakeholders who need to be involved and whose views need to be expressed. So that's that's a key leader role, identifying the who. And then you mentioned also the, the, the creating a shared view uh, of what is it that we are trying to solve. Um, and and then then maybe expressing you mentioned the pre cooked uh, once you sense as a leader that okay this seems to be the common understanding this seems to be the the way to, to for the group the team to go forward so just stating that um, but not dictating uh, I think that was quite clear um and and it involves then what you mentioned the trust the credibility reliability and 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 knowing uh knowing the people um so a very crucial point how do you as a leader how do you, how do you support the creation of trust or the strengthening of trust
0: well first of all by trusting that that it, it it's very strongly a uh, a two-way street, that the kind of uh, increasing increasing the kind of, uh, how would I say, self-confidence of the actors involved, kind of seeing them as trustfully, you build the trust, in themselves and also in the in in the process um, one other thing which is very very important is that you uh, in the beginning once the kind of process and the kind of principles how the process is thought to be functioning when when those are kind of stated you stick up with it, that um, if in the middle of the process, it, it shows up that nine out of 10 kind of shareholders agree and one disagrees, but still it's important for everybody to follow the process as promised to the very end. Because it will not be the last process that those actors will be involved in, and 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 you have to make sure that also in the future processes uh, the trustworthiness is there, and 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 um, then there's the question also about the kind of building the dialogue that that. Um, It is something more than having a a Google Docs document that everybody can kind of comment. But it's actually kind of creating a situation of listening and hearing with each other. Because that's the part of the trust building where the common ground is created. And usually... Kind of the ways forward are such solutions that maybe some, maybe everybody in the process have to give up something that is important to them. But they won't do it if there is no kind of common ground created in the process. So, so that's why the dialogical um, kind of listening, hearing. Understanding, valuing different perspectives
1: uh, is such an important part of the trust creation. Very, very good. I'm almost speechless when uh, we think about this. How, how important the the trust building and maintaining trust is for for any organization, and and how how leaders can can either. We we all know that trust can be easily destroyed but it takes time to to build up um so so therefore what what you are referring to is 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 really one of the core qualities of uh, of leadership uh, today and and especially in the future where as you mentioned you you have to gather around people uh, who are touched and who have information knowledge about uh, this problem to be solved uh, and and uh, in today's world, most of the times, not all of that those people belong to your organization, uh, but they they belong to somebody else's organization, and still you have to to work together. Now, one thing about this future, and um, I, I, I almost uh, must ask this question of learning. Um, since since you are running an organization devoted uh, entirely to to learning and creating the national curricula and and, and so forth, um, yeah, why do leaders need to care about learning, and in what ways?
0: Well, well, actually, the process I described. It is actually a shared learning process and and actually it's the shared learning process that creates trust that that you uh, and and here comes also the tricky part, especially with when you're dealing with um, highly educated professionals that highly educated professionals quite often as part of their professional identity has they have the idea that they have the right answers. they they kind of they, they have the hammer and the world is the nail and uh, and they know how to bang it um, and the tricky part is that when kind of kind of special professionals that's something that it's needed today, and it will be needed in in tomorrow's world also. But what we need more and more is the integration of those kind of specialities to kind of bring that pool of uh, specialists together, utilizing e- each other's abilities to kind of um, go forward with a wicked problem. And and in doing that, they need to admit that they don't actually know the answers to the wicked problem. Um, and, And for that reason, that's when important things start happening. Once that is admitted, after that, everything is possible. And, and that is kind of, that, that's where the learning starts. Um, and the, the issue is, of course, the character of a complex environment that because there are so many interconnections in it, which mean that you cannot predict that what's gonna happen next, So it's an uncertain and at the same time kind of always kind of emerging reality. Which means that you cannot kind of create solutions that are solutions for good. But you have to be able to create the culture of kind of constant learning. So actually, we come to the issue that uh, tomorrow's and today's leaders have to be able to lead the learning of organizations and networks and systems. And, 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 and that's um, that actually comes very close to the role of the of a teacher. In a way, that you know, there's a lot of kind of relative or, or, or a, 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 a relative uh, vocation between leader and, and a teacher, I would say, in, in tomorrow's world. And then, of course, the shared learning process creates trust, and trust actually strengthens the autonomy of each actor their own ability to do their part in the best possible way and autonomy increases each actor's ability to adapt to the changes in reality which kind of directly leads to the next circle of shared learning so it's a kind of a A kind of a positive development circle, which the good leaders should get rolling in their organizations, and not only inside them, but also with the kind of customers, with the networks, and with the whole system
1: where they are kind of a part of. So many things uh, that uh, that you captured here. Uh, where where to start basically you you are saying that leaders are facilitators of the collective learning process Mm -hmm. Uh, because you in the future and not not even today but less so in the future you can't know what is going to happen how to solve the problems of the future so it's it's a continuous learning process but it's a shared learning process and the leader is is a facilitator of that collective learning. And uh, through this collective learning or solving the problems um, together, collectively, you create, generate trust. And that trust increases the autonomy of the individuals then to uh, to become uh, more of the contributors to the collective learning process. Um, that that that's a nice nice thing. One thing I want to uh, clarify with you is is when you mentioned that the the role of the leader becomes <laughs> very close to the role of a, a teacher. And in the traditional sense, the role of the teacher is to bring the knowledge to the students, right? Uh, so uh, just I'm I'm now in a history lesson and I'm <laughs> teaching the, uh, the 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 students the pupils to what What happened in the history, um, but you're not referring to that type of uh, teachership or leadership. am I correct?
0: Yes, that's right. Um, I think there are kind of two important distinctions. Um, sometimes it is the case that that the leaders do have certain knowledge that is not possible for anybody else to achieve in a in an organization, for example. But then um, the traditional way of using that knowledge is using knowledge as power, meaning kind of using it as a means of strengthening, for example, your own status. And that's not the thing that we definitely want, but we want the leaders and, and they should kind of do as the teacher does that give out everything that they have for the learners for making it possible for them to to flourish and another one is that um, as the kind of reality is evolving and changing all the time um, the teachers today they don't either know the right answers but they are part of the learning process so it's a kind of a it's a kind of an emergent learning that that what becomes important or the what's kind of what works changes constantly that the best practices are not best best practices tomorrow but there are new practices and 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 for that reason uh the teacher has the ability of designing the learning process and being part of that learning process supporting everybody else to succeed in what they are doing together and and i think the the kind of collective nature of that kind of decision process becomes so so important that that it's not only kind of individuals but but it's the it's the kind of big issue of of us humans that how can we nurture and strengthen the collective wisdom by how we act at the moment we are not doing it we are kind of collectively creating outcomes that nobody as an individual would like to see when you look at what's happening to the nature with the climate change and everybody I don't think there's anybody who would like to see that, that 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 it it's a it's a target that we want to have climate change in the world but it is an outcome for us as individuals doing doing things that as a collective have kind of bad um, and 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 harmful and and in some ways maybe existential uh, kind of uh, outcomes for us. And 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 for that reason, we have to learn
1: to do better on that. That's uh, yeah. Now we come to the big issues, big questions: climate change, inequality in the world, and and I think. Yeah. Those those are almost insolvable wicked problems, but uh, but certainly we can change uh, the way we we approach them, and uh, and, th- and that change is not fast. Now, I wanted to also uh, cover this this topic because I know you're a trumpet player uh, and into music, and 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 there we see um, as a as an analogy or metaphor for leadership and organizations uh, the, the, the band could be a, a an organization and and how you work there do you have the premeditated uh, structure and hierarchy say uh, in a in an orchestra symphony orchestra you have the conductor as the grand leader who has the answers and dictates whereas in in maybe some some other uh, jazz or uh rock bands you 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 might not have a clear leader but it's it's more of a collective process if you wish so so uh, h- how do you see that how does music help you uh to understand the collective uh, learning and 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 leadership issues
0: well, well i think it's been very central to me to to understand how it works that 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 um yeah, it there are kind of so many things that are the the analogy is so clear it's the it's of course the the communication it's the interaction it's the kind of sensing what everybody else is doing and reacting to that in order to create something new and it's not only the 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 players themselves but it's also the context where you are doing it it's the audience it, it's the atmosphere uh that you connect to your sense of adapting is, is very strong and then it's also the spontaneity and it's trained spontaneity it, it, it's the thing that to be really good at uh, unexpected situations you have to train for it and once you have that kind of uh, prepared mind then it's possible for you to survive in moments that you had not expected and that's a that's a kind of competence that I think becomes so so important for every one of us in, in the uncertainty of the world where we are living, and and it's kind of kind of many many other things. It's uh, the the kind of uh, learning also that happens with, with a jazz band that that there might be new things that are coming up with that creation process because of what somebody else did or because of you kind of were able to put together things that had not come to your mind beforehand. And that, that idea of novelty, which is actually a, a very strong character of a complex circumstance that that the more complex the circumstance is, the more novelty there will be in it and and that's exactly what's happening with a with, with a um jazz band um so so i I think that um I think there's so many things that jazz musicians could teach leaders in today's world that i think we should utilize their experiences much much more as i know you patrick know very well
1: yes i think you said um one thing that that is a key takeaway and you can train yourself to be prepared for the unexpected because we know That uncertainty is here and it will continue. Maybe uncertainty will grow. Um, But instead of um, being anxious and very stressed about that, you can actually train yourself to handle and and maybe embrace uncertainty and and learning to cope with different uh, unexpected uh, incidents. And and just one year ago, I think we all experienced that the, the COVID, um, very unexpected. Uh, nobody had ever uh, be, had been able to foresee this, and and still we have to somehow adapt and and utilize that situation. And in the best case, maybe be able to thrive uh, and 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 sort of turn this into something good. I might not know what that is, but together we can probably solve uh, many of the, the issues. Um, a- anything? Uh, any final words um, for uh, leaders of the future? What, if you had one thing to say, what would you say?
0: Well, well I, I would like to con- kind of conclude and continue with what you were saying, um, and and that's the. That's the importance uh, with the uh, with the jazz, uh, and that's the idea of being present, that you are on that moment fully engaged and also kind of sensing what's essential in that moment and that's the idea of also uh knowing yourself that that you have to know yourself in order to be able to do that and that leads to the even more important issue that how you can play in tune with your internal reality and the reality outside that how those two realities are in tune, the kind of player and the arena um, kind of function well together. And I think that's the aim that all
1: leaders should have. Fantastic. Uh, those were good uh, closing closing arguments. Um, also knowing yourself uh, to be able to contribute to the whole, to the the, the group, the organization. Uh, and, and creating the future. Um, I thank you very much, Oli pekpa This was a fantastic uh, discussion, and uh, and I hope that the listeners will get uh, get many uh, insights from from the discussion. So, thank you very much. Thank you so much.
0: You have been listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast, produced by Talent Miles, the company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams and faster change in companies. Learn more at www.talentmiles.pro.